Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello to the Front and Nationwide podcast. This is the Athletics dedicated Columbus Blue Jackets podcast. The season is underway. The Blue Jackets are 1-0, and we're here to talk about it. Aaron Portsign with The Athletic, joined by Allison Lucan from The Athletic. Hello. And Tom Reed, munching pretzels for The Athletic. Tom, mm. you there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Blue Jackets are underway. A 3-2 overtime win last night over the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, easy for me to say, Red Wings. Uh, Artemi Panarin with the overtime game winner. Um, I, he had two points, sort of picked up where he left off last season. And uh, the Blue Jackets were kind of okay. I thought they kind of played a sloppy game. I thought the Brandon Dubinsky line was was uh, really, really good, stabilizing for them uh, at key times when the game started to drift away from them. I felt just, I, I don't know if you guys picked up on this from, from uh, the TV, but it sure looked like they felt early on like they could run the building and they tried to almost put on a show, I thought, and then it kind of they kind of lost their grip on it there for a while. And it was the Dubinsky line with Jenner on his left and Anderson on the right. They really sort of like, kept grabbing the game and bringing it back to Columbus's side. A really good sign. If you're a Blue Jackets fan who was wondering what Brandon Dubinsky uh, was going to look like this this uh, season after obviously difficult season in 2017-18 he looked really good throughout the preseason I thought the the level went even a step or two higher last night uh, he looked really really good uh, dominated in the face-off circle was engaged physically was at net front all the time um, and really set a tone for that line and that line I thought set a tone that they needed to have set as a team um, in that game last night against, a, a, I think most would agree, a, an, a, an opponent that they should be able to handle. Uh, so what, what did you guys take away from that, Allison? You put up a, an interesting chart today, which really showed how they, how the Dubinsky line carried play uh, while they were out there. Uh, analytically, certainly it was there, uh, including that. But beyond that, what did you see from that trio last night? Yeah, it was that was a trio I did not expect to be as dominant 
as they were open and honest. Uh, that was a line that I thought would just kind of be more of a, a grindy line in terms of the not producing kind of line. Um, and so right. for them to get the pressure that they did, I, I was worried about Anderson still being able to use his speed. Um, and he did, um, I thought quite effectively, um, I thought of you, Aaron, because Boone Jenner did not have any controlled entries last night. Don't know if you let me know when he does. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But no, I I really like them. And it was interesting because, you know, you talked about how they kind of lost a little bit of the handle on the game. And I felt like in the second period, I, I didn't feel like any line was really threatening offensively. And I think that's why that Dubinsky line was able to kind of reinforce um, the identity that they needed, that hardworking, stay-focused work ethic. They they had a ton of shot attempts. They had a ton of high-quality shot attempts. They had the best margin for the Jackets of any line that was out there last night. Just yeah. a really good showing by them, I thought. Yeah. Tom, you've you've trailed Dubinsky for a number of years. Uh, what, what do you see in him uh, versus what we saw at the end of last season? I mean, the thing I go back to is, yeah, he, he's clearly faster than quicker than he was last year. He's clearly in a better player than he was last year. He almost had to be. But he looks and it's game one. Let's get to take it easy here. But he looks as quick as he has since he's been a blue jacket to me. Am I am I getting carried away here? Uh, no, I, I thought he played. I thought that that line played well. He he's looked good in the preseason. I think we've all commented. You know, he's he's he spent his entire summer off season working. I think uh, Torts may have used the word embarrassed last night. Um, you know, Brandon was embarrassed by his his season last year, and he wants to to show people that he's still a really uh, a good player that can uh, uh, contribute in an extremely important position. And I think you summarized that today in your report. He was strong in the face-off circle. Uh, that line reminded me of kind of what the Blue Jackets were here a couple of years ago, just as a team. That's how they the, the, the whole team used to play before they had a little bit of an infusion of skill. Uh, that's how they had to play to win games. And that line seems to embody that. And Dubinsky, uh, again, was real strong. Um, think about the goal that, that he was part of. Just getting up in the play, he that play started in the defensive end with a turnover. He gets up the ice, goes right to the net. Uh, not much of a skilled play to get the assist, but the puck bounces off of him that it allows Anderson to put it in. I'm not sure if that's a play that he you know gets up to uh, last year, or I think he even said he might have just swung by instead yeah. of just hard to the net and and and, and forcing traffic and they, they score. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. He, he didn't know if he'd stop net front last year. And he, he, he was there all night last night. Um, we, John Tortorella has said for probably week, week and a half, maybe since the start of training camp, that with Riley Nash coming into town, with Anthony Duclair looking like a difference-making player, he has some options now that he can move his lines around. We, we got a first glimpse of that last night. He did not touch the number one line. Dubois remained between Panarin and, and Atkinson, and the, the line was okay. It had moments. Um, he did not touch the Dubinsky line, um, as, as we've noted. But he sort of boiled the other two lines into one line. He sort of took the pieces and parts he liked from the two not-so-great TVs and tried to make a really nice TV out of it. And so Felino uh, ended up, uh, by the end of the night, at least for, 
for several ships with Riley Nash at center and Duclair uh, on his on the right side of that line. And that left Wenberg with Sonny Milano and Bjorkstrand. Bjorkstrand, thank you. Um, sort of out in the cold. And they didn't we didn't see much of them in the third period at all. I think Milano played a minute and a half or something in the in the third. And I think this is what's going to continue. We've said this before. Riley Nash did not sign with the Blue Jackets to be a fourth line guy. And from the other perspective, the Blue Jackets did not sign Riley Nash, I think, to just limit him as a fourth line guy. He's going to move up and all over the lineup. There were even times um, last night where he was taking uh, defensive zone faceoffs, I think, for Dubois late in the game, uh, protecting that game. So some some interesting maneuverings that the Blue Jackets can can do with lines, and it should continue, I would suspect, tonight against Carolina. At the end of his press conference last night, John Tortorella um, said he's not sure what he's doing with the lines. I think the first line and I think Dubinsky's line stay together. Very curious to see what happens uh, to the other two lines. So interesting, interesting uh, things at work here with the Blue Jackets. Another part of this game from last night that, that we haven't touched on yet, Eunice Corpusalo was the starting goaltender. And that is, I, I don't, I don't care who tries to tamp it down. That's news. Um, I, I don't think it's controversial necessarily. I don't think it says anything about the Blue Jackets and they're thinking uh, specifically about Bob. I think it just, I think it tells us that things are going to be done differently this year. That Corpus Salo is not going to be seen as nothing more than a, a, a day off goaltender for Bobrovsky. He's going to be seen more in a classic number two sense. He's the first goaltender uh, to start an opener since other than Bobrovsky since Bobrovsky got here. Uh, the first goal, Blue Jackets goaltender to win an opener, not named Sergei Bobrovsky since Steve Mason back in 09-10, which is a long time ago. Um, so Corpusalo gets to start on the road in the season opener. Now Bobrovsky will come back and make the start tonight in Nationwide against the Carolina Hurricanes. What should be made of, of what do we what indications do we get from this? If anything, Yarmo Kekalainen is insistent. You know, this is not there's there is no controversy here. There's nothing more than just picking a goaltender to start on the road. If this were in the middle of the season, nobody would make a big deal out of it. It's not a big deal. Uh, is there something more to it, or is it just simply an indication that that Corpusalo is is seen on as being on different ground this year, and that he's going to play more games. Tom, you I, want that one? Oh, go Tom. Or, go ahead. I don't care. Go ahead, Allison. I mean, I, listen. I don't think it's a controversy, but there is a reality of Sergei Bobrovsky's contract situation, and it is good business to see what you have in your other goaltender when you're in a position to decide what's going on with Sergei Bobrovsky past this year. I yes. don't think it was controversial. It sounds like the decision was communicated to the goaltenders in advance. It wasn't like a last-minute gotcha kind of situation. Um, and and I have liked Corpusalo in the preseason. I've liked him off the ice. I think he does sound more confident, more kind of settled in, if you will. Um, and, and I think that it's a valid strategy to say, if we have a backup goaltender who is good, we're going to play him. Now, is it a surprise? Yes. But I don't know that I think it's controversial. I think it's good business. Yeah. it's. Um, I, I think 
you can't get away from the facts as Aaron laid them out that no one other than Sergei Bobrovsky had started the season for these guys. It's just, that's the way it is. You all, almost always start with your best goaltender. Uh, the Capitals played back-to-back games. Uh, you'll remember last year, Philip Grubauer was the guy that started against the Blue Jackets. And then the Capitals go on to win the series with with uh, the, the Stanley Cup with Braden Holpe. Guess who started the first two games for the Capitals in back-to-back situations this year? Huh. Uh, so, so, I mean, this is it is a bit of news. And again, there's no... I agree with Yarmo. I wrote this the other day. If this was happening in game three and game four, nobody would bat an eye because it does make sense. You, you want to start. It was a non-divisional game against a very weak opponent last night. And Corpy, we, we've, we've written this. We've heard it. Tortorella has said it. Corpicello is going to get more of a look this year. And, and so whether it's a controversy or not, this is a story and some fans don't want to hear it. It's going to, it's going to, be over the season all year. This in Panarin's contract, Bobrovsky's contract, it's going to hold over the season. Sometimes it may not necessarily apply, but sometimes it will. And this is, you just can't, you can't escape it. I'm sorry. It's, it's not necessarily anything we want to write about, but it's just fact. Yeah. The other thing that, that's at work here that, that I've been uh, told in the last 48 hours or so is that Manny Legacy, the goaltending coach who replaced Ian Clark, has this should be to no one's surprise a significant stay in say in who the goaltender is, um, and so it's his call that that Corpusella went in the opening night. I think we're all smart enough to say that the goaltending coach picks the starter uh, to the extent that the head coach agrees. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. Um, and I don't think that's I don't think that's unique to here. I think that's that's sort of everywhere. Um, and I do think there's a little bit of John Tortorella, deep down, that would love for Yunus Corposalo to have a great year this year. Obviously, he wants everyone on his team. He wants this team to succeed. But I think he would be really delighted to see the the, the so-called backup goaltender really give a push uh, to the guy who's in a difficult contract negotiation. If for no other reason than it means that the future's bright and they've got somebody that they can rely upon. Um, but I think there's, it's interesting how how much of that stuff, um, goes into this. I would say this, and I agree with every word you just said. I would say this though, too. I I think that he, uh, I think Torts has always been an advocate of Corpus Allo because they were worried about this backup situation. Uh, you remember a couple of years ago, they weren't sure it was, was Anton Forsberg who was going to really grab that, that backup goalie spot and be able to play once every couple of weeks. Uh, and and he's kind of made that his job. And I, I think that he's a I think Torts is a fan of Corpusalo. He likes the fact that there were nights where Corpy could go up and give up five goals, but he wasn't going to give up the sixth goal. And yeah. it would ways to win. I think of the game last year in Boston. It's just a crazy game. And and he was able to hold it together. We've seen him do that the last couple of years, where he gives up goals and still manages to pl- uh, play well enough for them to win. And that's so important in this game. And you're right. I mean, he, this is his what, fourth NHL season. He wants yeah. to prove he's in a contract year as well. Yeah. Uh, so the Blue Jackets played obviously without Seth Jones last night. Zach Wierenski, 28 minutes, 27 seconds. I'm going to check that, but I think that's, yes. those are the numbers. If I commit to memory, the, the highest numbers of his career. Now, was it overtime game? He played a little bit in the OT. Um, 
But wow, wow. He played one preseason game. He missed a lot of training camp, a lot of the really heavy, heavy drills because he was recuperating from the shoulder surgery. And here's a nice uh, 28-minute opener for you. And I love Tortorella after the game. Like, he's 21 years old. <laughs> like, you think he's going to say he's tired? You think he's going to get tired? Um, but I, I think we're, we learned quite a bit last night about the back end for the Blue Jackets as well, that, that uh, Wierenski is going to eat heavy minutes with Jones out. He's got him paired with Savard. I thought they looked pretty decent last night. The second pair, uh, Nudavara and Murray. They Murray played a lot last night as well, and they looked they looked I thought pretty good. Not sure there's a ton of trust there um, for the third pair, and I wonder how big of a concern that might be. I I'll tell you what, when that third period got going, much like Panarin just kind of sat on the power play and and was there the whole excuse me the overtime and was there the whole time. I felt like Zach Wierenski was on the ice for the first 10 minutes of the third period. He was just omnipresent um, and just it, it it puts last season for me in, ter- in stark contrast because we thought he was good last year when he was hurt. And, and right. now we're being reminded what Zach Wierenski can do. Um, really liked his game, really liked the second pair. We knew Nudavara and Murray clicked well, um, and, and yes. I think they fell right back in line there. The, the third pairing is a concern, and, and for me, the bigger concern was Carlson. I didn't see as much worrisome things from Kukan. Um, that's with a K, not an L. Um, but, uh-huh. I, I, you know, I, I think Carlson is still finding his way, um, and I am curious to watch how much time they give him to see if he can settle in or do they put Clendenning in, see what he can do. That that right. third pair is, is a, is a question right now for sure. Yeah. They, they, you know, they, they gave the first goal who can turns the puck over in the corner. I mean, he was under some pressure, but he, he didn't exactly get back to on it quickly. Uh, and then boy, uh, there were, I, there was a play and I don't think it was the second or third period where Carlson just got blown by. Yeah. Uh, on, you know, they ended up not scoring on the, the wings didn't score, but I think you're going to see until Seth Jones gets back um, a repeat of the first and second lines are going to play or pairings are going to play a ton um, yeah. unless they're, they have a multiple multi-goal lead where they can spread out the timing. And this early in the season, I, I think that's fine. I mean, you, you, I think this would be a much greater concern this was later in the year and you were missing Jones six weeks prior to the playoffs. Yeah. Murray played more shifts than anybody else last night. 33. Uh, Wierenski played more minutes than anybody else. A lot of that was power play time. Um, incredibly, Wierenski had 13 shot attempts last night, seven on goal. So the kid's got his arm back. That's a good, that's a good sign. He's shooting. Um, I, I don't think you could avoid this watching on TV. I was dumbfounded here last night. Where was everybody? I I could, I mean, that was staggering to me. Okay. The Red Wings aren't supposed to be very good this year. I get it. This is the season opener. And there were thousands of empty seats last night. I mean, it was it was probably more than half full, but not much. And that wasn't just the lower bowl, the, the most expensive seats. It was all over the building. I, I mean, I have uh, – if these are the 
these are the kind of games that people make fun of in Carolina in March and Columbus in March when the team is horrible. Um, Florida, it, it was it was very much there. There'll be more people at Florida's home opener than there were at Detroit. They announced that that is scary to me. They announced it as a sellout, which uh, I mean. I can't imagine that that many people bought tickets to an opening night game they didn't go to. I'll trust them at their word, I suppose. But how how jarring was that for you guys watching? This is Detroit. This is hockey town and opening night. Really? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a shame. Obviously, I mean they've they've had such a proud tradition there, but the New team. Building. The team has kind of, um, you know, fallen, you know, it's been a gradual progression the last couple of years. Aaron, we saw this, I can remember, if you think back, uh, there have been some first-round playoff series in Detroit where it just, you know, they've been so used to having success playing well into June. I don't know, this team, and when you look at the team, what captures your imagination about this team? Do they have, and I, I mean, I granted, Artemi Panarin's a top 10, 15 player in the league, but they don't have, there's just, uh, Dylan Larkin's a nice player, but who are you going to watch there? I mean, right. who are who are you really going to watch on that team? I mean, Jimmy Howard, I uh, again, nice goalie, but I, and I think that's part of it. And this is a fan base that's extremely used to winning. Um, it's, uh, you know, so let's be honest. It's a, it's a kind of a depressed area now. I don't, I don't know if you just, um, I don't know. It's just, so, it's, it's, I think, and it's also a new arena. I think it's sometimes it takes, takes a while in some sports. Uh, once you switch arenas to, from this famous old arena, as much as a lot of people wanted to call it a dump to kind of get used to this new arena. The first year they had it, the team was lousy, but the team's going to probably be lousy again this year. Yeah. So you're so it's when they're good hockey town. Yeah, and then let's be honest. That's that's true about how many cities in America. Uh, yeah. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. We, we all think of Pittsburgh as a great hockey city, uh, and we also all remember when they were really bad here a few years ago. Um, how there was nobody there. I mean, that, I mean, there's probably only three or four teams in the league that probably draw. And, and I get it. I get it. We're talking about the opening opening game, but right. I, that's in a lot of cities. That's the case. Um, yeah. So you know, Detroit's, it's Detroit's t- turn to go through it. Well, here, to your point, Tom, I, I, there were a few things I noticed last night that made me go, "Oh, oh, wow!" Okay, that's telling. Um, before the game, they had messages from players to the fans. You know, this is hockey town. Thanks for sticking with us. Yada yada. And they would show Dylan Larkin, and people go, eh. They would show um, Jonathan Erickson, and people there'd be a little, little lift in the crowd noise. They showed Joey Kosher, Darren McCarty, place goes crazy, right? Those are the days. <laughs> yeah. they, they, that, that's what they care to remember. Um, <laughs> and then there, were, there was another moment that I, I, I went, oh, oh, boy, someone's going to hear about this. Uh, they showed in within the span of three seconds, a fan with a T-shirt on that said Stevie Y for general manager, mm. which if you're Ken Holland, I'm, I'm sure you're thinking, why are we showing that guy on the board? Um, and then they st- they cut away from that to go to a Blue Jackets fan, the dude that always wears the bright blue wig. Yeah. 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 
they went right to him, and I'm thinking, oh man, this is almost this is almost Penguins fan on a Zamboni here. This thing's getting out of control. And then they brought it back and like showed kids or something, and everything was fine. But it, it's just kind of these are tough times uh, for the the city's coming back now. The Red Wings are are going are, are sliding back sliding a bit. One of the great cities in North America. Yeah. Well, did you guys have you guys seen the uh, as as we know a lot of times teams will have you know a slogan or a team T-shirt that all the players wear that's kind of their their theme for the year. Have you seen the Red Wings one this year? Oh no, no. It's, it says sixty minutes of hell. Yeah, what does that mean? Well, apparently, Blash was, <laughs> apparently it's supposed to mean be hard to play against. Make it yeah, it's right. it's a playoff of Nolan Richardson's 40 minutes of hell. But I mean, yeah, right. again, so, to your point of t- did someone not look at that and say, you know, maybe yeah. not. <laughs> Let's think this through. What are the possible distortions of this? Right. Yeah. Boy. Uh, wow. Yeah, so Blue Jackets tonight, home with Carolina, game two. This is something I looked up last night. They've only started 2-0 and twice before, and the Blue Jackets. And did you know they've never been 3-0? and That's almost hard. to. I mean, I know that we've had some, start, some starts here. We go, oh, when are they going to get to three? But to think that they've not been 3-0, and and this is their – is this 18th season or 19th? 18, isn't it? I think it's 18. Yeah, because they skipped the, the one year. That's pretty wild. Um, anything else we need to add here, guys, or should we send the people off to their Friday? Uh, two things. Oh. Two, not just one, but two. Uh, yeah. Number one, I, I, I think that we, we should at least mention Panarin's goal in overtime. Um, there is – John Tortorella often talks about playing with a strut or playing with swagger. Mm-hmm. Watching Artemi Panarin in overtime is the embodiment of that. I mean, he just was not going to be denied. Or he was going to give up the puck and let him go down and score a goal, which it reminded me so much of last year in Detroit where Bob makes the incredible save, probably the save of the season, where Panarin just loses the puck because he's been out there forever, and he's just trying to will it into the net. And it was an extraordinary – how long was the shift, Aaron? Uh, like a minute and 30 seconds 124 I think 124 (laughs) it's like double and he was just he was incredible he was incredible to watch second point before we leave I hope everyone had a chance to read Aaron's story yesterday Um, just uh, just a remarkable story on former Blue Jacket captain Lyle O'Line who's just um, he is a medical miracle and I thought you did a great job capturing it uh, kudos to the family, especially his wife. Just, um, just imagine going through all that. And even our own Billy Davidge, who kind of has worked as a little bit of an intermediary, getting yeah. word out to certain people. Uh, the hockey community is wonderful. And just reading your story and how Kurt Muller and I, I think it was J.J. Dantano, just picturing them going from hospital to hospital in Pittsburgh, trying to find their friend. Uh, just a wonderful story. And, and I think everyone's just so happy that uh, uh, Lyle Oline has been able to uh, bounce back. And it would be just great to see him uh, at that 25th anniversary of the 93 Cup champs for Montreal. I think it's what October 11th, Aaron? Yeah, that, that, of course, will be all over TV at being Montreal, October 11th. And they're doing it against the Kings because that's who they beat in the 93 uh, Cup finals. Um, 
Yeah, and, and I, I don't know that one of the awkward offshoots of this is I don't know that the Canadians had announced that they're doing this October 11th publicly yet. So, well, that's out there now. Um, but it, it will be, um, obviously, you know, these people love their Canadians, but it will be highly, highly emotionally charged for, for Odeline as well, because I don't think he could have imagined, uh, again, having been through all that he went through, that he would be making public appearances again, much less on, on that grandest stage doing as well as he's doing. So kudos to kudos to him and his family. Great to see him uh, returning back to health and continuing to improve. And thanks for your kind words there to both of you. Um, I think that does it for Front Nationwide. Allison, is this number 11 already? This was number 11, and I'd like to quickly add one last thing. Uh, just oh. a, a reminder to the people that there is plenty of hockey picking up in Central Ohio, the women Buckeyes uh, started their season last weekend, and they are having their home opener tonight, Friday, and uh, their second game tomorrow. It's a matinee, so you can take it in. You get in for free. Um, the men will be starting up here soon as well. So if you're looking for more hockey, it is there for you, and both teams at Ohio State promise to be very good indeed. Who do the women play? Colgate. Colgate, Colgate. which should be a good matchup. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And if you're listening to this and would like to be a subscriber to The Athletic, by all means, theathletic.com slash front and nationwide. That's a seven-day free trial and a significant discount over the price of a subscription. That's uh, theathletic.com slash front and nationwide, A-N-D nationwide. Uh, thanks to David Cook for our intro music and our outro music, as they say. And we will talk to you folks again on Tuesday. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.